Modern medicine is advancing at faster speeds than ever before. Yet the world still sees the healthcare experience as difficult and dated. The Real Chemistry podcast shares interviews with industry leaders who are innovating in healthcare. Join Real Chemistry's Chief Marketing Officer, Aaron Strout, as he explores how AI and ideas can come together to transform healthcare into what it should be. Hello, this is Aaron Strout, Chief Marketing Officer of Real Chemistry and the host of the Real Chemistry Podcast. And today I have the pleasure of talking to one of my new colleagues, Jason Gardner. Jason is our new head of medical at Real Chemistry, and he hails from Manchester in the United Kingdom. And we are opening an office there. He talks about uh, some of the recruiting needs, what he plans to do over the next 90 days and going forward. Then we also discuss an organization that he's part of that's a critically important one. He's on the AI task force for ISMPP. You'll learn more about that. We talk about some interesting concepts uh, about strategic and what that means and how you can use that to your advantage, uh, not taking things too seriously and being willing to be frivolous once in a while, and then ending on a very non-frivolous note on uh, the importance of diversity, equity, and inclusion and why he's committed to that. And then we end with some uh, fun personal questions. So hopefully you enjoy the conversation as much as I did and uh, sit down with a cup of your favorite beverage and give it a listen. All right. Well, Jason, I'm looking forward to our conversation today. Uh, nine hours apart, I believe, but you know, evening, your time, morning, my time, and you're somewhat brand new to the firm. And so I'm really looking forward to getting to know you better. One of the questions I always like to start with is it takes a certain type, I think, to get involved in healthcare. Maybe that's changed a bit, you know, thanks to the pandemic, where I think a lot of people have now seen the the value and the need for it. And I think everyone sees the value and the need. It's just, it's hard, right? It's It's not the easiest industry to work in. So why don't we start with what inspired you to get into healthcare? Sure. Thanks, Aaron. It's great to meet you and be part of this team. Um, so how did I get into healthcare? I think probably from the age of N, in fact, I, I was aware my father wasn't able to run around as much as he used to. And it turned out he was developing multiple sclerosis. And I think seeing his journey, his challenges and his wonderful stubbornness to still live his life to the best visibility, I think that gave me a good dose of inspiration. Uh, to continue into the healthcare system and really try to help people like him manage their own personal journeys in whatever condition might be affecting them. Well, thank you for sharing that. And I'm sorry, but if it inspired you to go off and do positive things in the world, then I guess, you know, there, everything happens for a reason, even if that was not a great reason. Um, and we're glad that you made it into the the world of healthcare. So I mentioned in our introduction that you're our new head of medical at Real Chemistry. Let's talk a little bit about what that means. Sure. So uh, I lead up a fantastic team of medical communication professionals with medical strategy and medical writing expertise who are brilliant at revealing insights and creating content that brings awareness, understanding, and action in a way that is clear, understandable to our audiences, and that ultimately brings value to medical and commercial client partners, to the healthcare professionals that we work with, and of course, ultimately to the patients. 
Well, that makes sense. And I think a lot of people don't understand the way healthcare works. Probably a lot of the people who are listening to this podcast do, but a lot of times you have scientists who are creating new molecules or drugs therapies, and then you have doctors who by trade are, you know, trained to be doctors or nurses, but they're not necessarily always great communicators, right? It's like assuming that someone is a great coder is going to be a great boss or a great communicator. So it definitely is a niche for people like us, like you to come in and, and help with that uh, journey. And I guess, you know, while we're here, cause I know we'd invited her, but um, we really wanted to dig down and get to know you a little bit better. But Suzanne Jacobs, um, assuming that you'll be partnering closely with her and the team. Yes, absolutely. That's correct. And it's a fantastic team that, you know, it inspired me to want to be part of it, having seen the stuff that uh, they do, how they do it. Um, yeah, it makes you want to gravitate towards people who are doing good things. Awesome. Well, then that's a little bit of my next question, right, is what attracted you to real chemistry? Because I'm guessing you probably could have gone to a number of places. Um, I know one of the things that you and I talked a little bit about in our pre-discussion was the AI and some of the uh, blogs and the podcasts that our CEO and CTO were putting out. But what else was it about, you know, the company beyond Suzanne and the team and that that really got you excited about coming here? Yeah, I, th I think that's it. There's no one thing. It's the stars aligning on many things, really, for me. Firstly, the people, like I said, there's there's clearly awesome entrepreneurial thinkers um, doing some great work here at Real Chemistry. And secondly, I could see having access to the creative team, the power of 21 grams that could really bring the medical narratives that our team can produce to life to really inspire audiences to feel and act on the science that we're communicating, that seems like a really great secret source for success. And well, then as you pointed out around AI, you know, seeing real chemistry's capabilities and ambitions in AI, everybody knows it's there, it's transformational, it's reshaping our world. And we all need to be really dedicated, I think, to illuminating the value of AI and doing it in a creative way, but also with integrity. You said it brilliantly. Uh, and for those of you that know real chemistry at all, that is one of our sort of taglines is AI plus ideas, right? And it's this concept of being able to probably even going a step back and starting with data and then, you know, using those um, approaches to uncover what it is we need to do and then taking it a step further to your point and bring it to life through storytelling and creative ideas and, and activation. So really sort of completes the circle. Let's talk a little bit about your job. And, you know, a lot of executives, when they start, they lay out a 90 day plan. Sometimes that's, you know, the first half is just spent listening. Um, you strike me as someone that's already rolled up your sleeves and is, is getting into it. Right. But let's talk about what you consider some of the most important tasks that you'll be carrying out in your new role. Do you know what? <laughs> in, in, Thinking about this, you know, rolling my sleeves up is exactly the sort of thing that that is the first thing that you need to do in my book anyway, is really immersing yourself into the team, understanding what the client work is, understanding how the team works, what the opportunities are, and, you know, moving the company in the right direction for growth. So also it's understanding what the expertise in the team to enable to grow our business into new therapy areas with new clients using the inherent skills that they already have. Then with that growth, of course, thinking about broadening the team, bringing in new talent. And one of the things that we've been looking at with Suzanne Jacobs and the rest of the leadership team is initiating a new office 
in the Manchester area of the northwest of England. Um, so that's where I'm based. And I know from having lived here for several years now, it's a hotbed of exceptionally talented people for this sector of the industry. We're already looking to recruit skilled people into this office in medical strategy, medical writing, client service, and uh, creative design and PowerPoint specialisms. Uh, so yeah, I'm really excited about this. Well, thank you. And you mentioned two of the most important things that I was hoping to hear, and that was the new office and you know getting uh, the team expanded, right? Because we already have a great base, but looking for that talent and Nice to know using analytics that we found that a place like Manchester is a hotbed and, you know, creating an office or a, a hub there to be able to uh, attract that talent is is such a brilliant idea. So um, kudos on that front. I want to shift gears a little bit and go back to uh, the AI piece. And I know that you're a member of an AI task force for an industry organization called ISMPP. Maybe you'll tell us what that is. You published a position statement in a peer-reviewed journal Let's tell the listeners a little bit more about that and what is ISMPP. Sure. So this is an organization across the pharmaceutical biotech devices industry, specifically called International Society for Medical Publication Professionals. Yes, it does publications. That was its origin, but it covers all medical communications elements. And its principal aim is to drive best practice or how we undertake our medical communications and of course ai being so transformative to our world right now we felt it necessary to put out a position statement behind which everybody could align and make sure that we have a position going forwards that actually generates action so yes i'm sit on the board of trustees for this organization as well as the ai task force and yeah, the point, the sort of categories, the themes that we've covered cover ethical use of AI and accountability, data privacy and transparency, things like eliminating bias and enhancing accessibility, and importantly, being advocates and engaging with people to make sure that AI is adopted responsibly. So it's, I suppose, really trying to galvanize the community into not being passive recipients of whatever's happening out there with our with AI and our industry, but being actively involved. Well, I like it. And I, I love you sent me some of the bullets um, and I know you've sort of spoken to them, but I like those three categories of the education and training, the implementation and use, and then the advocacy and community engagement. So really starting with that upfront piece, building the base and then moving out from that and then making sure that you know, you're amplifying that with the advocacy and the community engagement. So it sounds brilliant to me. I also want to talk on something else that you mentioned that I, I thought was interesting. And, you know, during our prep call, you talked about being passionate about demystifying the word strategic. And I know uh, we have a guy named Mike Huckman here, and he doesn't love the word strategic, but let's talk a little bit more about why you're passionate about it and, and what it means. I, I guess that is it, isn't it? it? It means different things to different people. And many of the folk who I've worked with, particularly junior members coming into the team fresh, they see somebody who's got strategy in their title and feel in awe in some way of this person and thinking that it can be an unreachable thing that only people with vast amounts of experience can do. Well, I think that's rubbish. I think to me, strategy is more of a mindset. It's, it's an approach and a behavior that 
everybody should be doing regardless of their job title or level of expertise. So I'm not saying that everybody has the skill set to be a strategist. That does need a, you know, a certain type of person, but everybody should be strategic in their approach. That's the sort of fundamentals that I'm trying to impart with all of our team members. Well, I like that. And I, I think you could take that a step further. It's really that ability to look around corners, right? And I think understand what the risks are. I was having this conversation with someone the other day that I think a lot of people are risk averse and don't realize that sometimes you have to give to get. And sometimes that means taking risks. And as long as you know, I think what the upside and the downside is, I always have a, a, a saying that if I take a risk, I want to be able to look my boss in the eyes and say, this is why I did it. This is what I assumed the payoff was. It didn't go the way I expected, but I did know that that was a risk and you know we took it anyway. And I think that that's, it's a helpful way to look at the world. Um, the other thing I want to talk about is sort of on the other side of the spectrum, you, you talked about the importance of being frivolous, right? And not taking yourself too seriously. And you strike me as a guy that is very strategic, very serious at work, but you also have that sort of lighter side and fun side. So let's talk a little bit about, you know, the fact that maybe life isn't about working 24 seven and letting your hair down and having fun once in a while. Right. So I suppose there's two things here. Um, one is in work. Yeah, we do serious things that impact people's lives. We shouldn't underestimate the importance of that and what we do, but that doesn't stop us bringing humor into what we do, into our relationships that we have with our colleagues, with our teams, with our clients, with the experts and the patients that we work with as well. It, you know, it helps us it helps us build those relationships and deal with tough times as well, which sometimes we have. So yeah, I love working with people who bring that to the team too. And then outside of work, sure, yeah, it's definitely not 24-7. Everybody needs downtime and finding that right balance with work, doing things that you want to do that makes you you. That's, uh, yeah, completely into that. Well, it makes sense. And I think, you know, everyone appreciates a partner or a boss or a colleague that, you know, can take that type of approach. And again, we started with the you're a roll up your sleeves kind of guy, but you're also, uh, strikes me as a work hard, play hard. And, you know, I like that the frivolous, it's a very intentional word, right? It's like to do things that aren't needed, but you're doing it for the sake of joy, right? Or, or the sake of laughter or sanity. So, um, one more thing I want to talk about work related, and then we'll shift gears to a few more personal questions. And I was very pleased as, you know, one middle-aged white male, you know, to another, that you talked about the importance of DE&I, right? Diversity, equity, and inclusion. And you talked about having, you know, it's important to have an active voice in championing the principles. It's something that we have done here. We have a woman named Joel Jones who, who oversees our health equity and, you know, diversity practice, inclusivity practice. But talk a little bit about like why you're so passionate about it and maybe highlight a little bit of how you plan to see that in action in your new role at Real Chemistry. So this is a passion of mine because again it's being part of the conversation you know just because i'm a stereotypical middle-aged white man doesn't mean that i shouldn't be trying to champion the causes of diversity equity and inclusion for others who are less fortunate and privileged than i in fact we're probably in the best place to be driving that so yeah we should absolutely have a voice and you know it's, it's a, that's about it's a societal respect we should all be adopting that i think and it also brings value to what we do. You know, diverse thinking, diverse experiences, diversity in people, it 
enriches what we do and ultimately that's going to bring value to the teams as a whole but the also the outputs that we deliver so it makes sense just from a personal perspective and also from you know it's it's doing the right thing but also it makes sense business-wise yeah and i think that last part is the one that people forget about right is like you know it's the right thing to do and we know i've talked to a lot of colleagues that appreciate the allyship right it's not just them needing to push for change in society or, you know, for better diversity and equity and inclusion, but it's all of our jobs, right? And we need to ally and, and work together. But at the end of the day, it is something that actually does make for a better business result. And I would actually argue a better healthcare and medical result, because to your point, you've got the right patients in the clinical trials. You've got the right HCPs who understand people, where they're coming from, you know, what their life experience has been. And then, you know, how do we create that healthcare experience that works well for everyone, knowing that people have different challenges depending on, you know, which walks of life they come from. So thank you for sharing a little bit on that front. And with that, I do like to ask a few more personal questions at the end. Um, I'm adding a special one for you, especially given where you live. And so that is as a uh, resident of Manchester, um, I think we need to know which British Premier League team that you support. I'm assuming that you're a soccer fan or at least have some, you know, casual interest in, uh, in a team. Yeah, to be honest, uh, it is more casual interest. Uh, I'm more of a rugby fan, to be honest. England, through and through, that's my passion, having having played it a lot until recently. Couldn't recover quickly enough from getting battered. But um, yeah, if I was to turn my attention to football, soccer, then yeah, I'm a red. Manchester United. Well, I figured as much, but I figured I'd at least let you potentially surprise us. But you did, I guess, with the uh, rugby reference. And I think you're the second guest. We had a woman on who was actually trained over in England and was played rugby. And then ultimately she got hurt badly enough where she had to um, revert to rowing crew and actually went to the Olympics as someone that rode crew. So she was passionate about both. Yes. Um, the other one that I've been asking, and I started this during the pandemic is, and it could be personal, professional, all the above, but if you had one wish, what would it be? That's a huge one, isn't it? And it is <laughs> at the risk of being cliche and, a bit John Lennon, maybe. I'd love to be able to turn on the news, listen to it without seeing dreadful stories of atrocities happening around the world. Um, it makes me sad, but also at the same time privileged to live in a part of the world that's relatively free from those stories. Well, that's a good one. And for anyone that's maybe not old enough or hasn't, you know, has been in a bubble, John Lennon, former uh, lead singer of the Beatles, and sang a song Imagine, which I'm assuming is the one that you're referring to, right. uh, that speaks about Imagine a world where, you know, all of this trials and tribulations and war and uh, destruction is, is not a part of it. And so, amen to that. Last question, and this is a frivolous one. So, going back to <laughs> gonna be everything repeats one, itself. Um, and I've been asking this through and through, but, you know, if you're stuck in a deserted island, don't worry about the technology or how it works, and you could take one album with you, which one would you choose and why? So that is the toughest question, actually, because um, I love music and have all sorts of different album collections and, and different genres. But I guess being on my deserted island, I, I want to hear some people shouting and screaming to big tunes uh, and probably want to dance around the island as if nobody's looking, which, of course, they're not. So um, I think Underworld, I've done an album called Everything, Everything. It's a live recording of them performing that and it's an incredible uplifting dance music uh try it you'll be dancing around your living room promise well, 
I've not heard of them. And so I love new recommendations and I love your rationale. That's the punchline of, you know, as we're thinking about this, people have such a hard time, some of the smartest people in the world. And it's like, it's really why, right? Why would you choose that? Not the album itself. But I love the fact that you had a really good rationale behind it. So on that note, we will wrap up. This is Aaron Stroud. I'm the chief marketing officer here at Real Chemistry, speaking with my new colleague, Jason Gardner, who is our head of medical landing in our Manchester office and looking to recruit some smart minds. Hopefully this was helpful in getting to know him and what he does and what the team does a little bit better. But thank you so much for joining us today, Jason. Thank you, Aaron. It's been great to talk to you. Want more episodes of The Real Chemistry Podcast? Subscribe to our show wherever you listen to podcasts. We post a new episode every Thursday. Visit realchemistry.com for more info.